Hey there, good morning. This is Jamie from Stonemeyer Games, and I'm joining you on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day if you celebrated it in any way that was right for you. Megan and I had a delightful day, a uh, very low-key day, but, uh, but we gave each other some little gifts along the way, including my chocolate of the day, which is this adorable little greeting card combined with a chocolate bar. So there's you can see it here. There's a This is my chocolate of the day. So this is a chocolate bar combined with a greeting card, which is just, it's brilliant. Like how much better does it make a greeting card if you have chocolate attached to it? So, and it's good chocolate too. I, I'm pretty sure the company doesn't have right say it, but I'm pretty sure it's from chocolate, chocolate, chocolate here in St. Louis. The company that makes this is called Sweeter Cards and it's the St. Louis company. I've never seen these before. So I wonder if it's, uh, if it's a pretty new thing. Megan also found these little Jelly Belly champagne bottles. I got her a cupcake and uh, some tea from um, I believe it was Harvey Harvey and Sons Tea Company, and we just had a, a lovely day. And we watched a good movie too. Um, we kind of had a string of so-so Valentine's movies over the weekend, but we ended on a high note with Somebody I Used to Know, which is on Amazon Prime, a romantic comedy that uh, that we both seemed to enjoy. So. That was how we spent our Valentine's Day yesterday. Let me know in the comments how you spent it or if you did anything special for the uh, person or people in your life that you that you care about. Nathan says that he spent Valentine's Night prepping his wife's art for submission to the fan, Wingspan Fan Art Contest. Yeah, the Fan Art Contest. The submissions are due tomorrow. If you aren't aware of what that is, uh, check out our website for details. But the, the very short version of it is that we are accepting... Um, fan art creations for wingspan birds birds that are already found somewhere in our game wingspan or, or the expansions and you can submit to us art that you have created one illustration that you created that you uh of a bird that's in the game and we will consider it for a pack of uh of of cards just for um just for wingspan fans uh, so or for anyone else who wants to buy it but it'll be available on our website sometime probably late this year uh, I'm not exactly sure how long it'll take our graphic designer to actually typeset all these illustrations or get them get them incorporated into the cards. Uh, Ahmed says, "Any chance that you will visit Iraq?" Interesting question, Ahmed. I have I don't have any plans to visit Iraq. No. Um, Chad says the wingspan art deadline is tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a month since I announced it. Uh, I haven't checked how many submissions we have right now. The last time I checked, there were about 100. I suspect that we'll end up with around 150, although people might wait to the last minute. We'll end up with even more than that. We'll see. Uh, Justin says, can you talk about how you are feeling the night before you make a big announcement, like a couple weeks ago with Expeditions? What are the emotions you go through, and how does it feel to see orders pile up? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the, the thing that's on my mind the most, because a lot of preparation goes into those big announcements, I have a long checklist of things to go through in the days and the week leading up to it in particular. And so most of my nervousness, well, I'm, I'm excited to share a thing that I haven't, haven't shared yet. I'm excited about that, but I'm also nervous about how everything will go over, especially if there is a web store component to it, because that can be a little precarious at times. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm always a little bit nervous about that the night before and, uh, and the day of, yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's say, oh, sorry, Facebook did its weird scrolly thing. Uh, Nathan says that he got in a few games of his Charterstone campaign last night for Valentine's Day. That's awesome. 
what other games are you all playing recently or what, what have you played over the weekend we played uh so we watched the super bowl on sunday with a few friends and while we were watching we ate some good food i cooked i cooked some food a friend brought some good food that she cooked and we also played so clover in between two cities while we were watching we thought that those would be good games that we could kind of halfway pay attention to the game and also halfway pay attention to the game to, to the games that we were playing so that worked out well and then we also had friends over on saturday i cooked again um cooked some thai food and we played uh we played games seven and eight of betrayal legacy and we realized that we've actually been playing something wrong that may have helped us get through more games faster um but it probably hasn't had a big impact on it but in betrayal legacy apparently the the uh the threshold for when you have the betrayal, the little twist, happens a little bit differently than in the core game, which I haven't played. Um, it's right there in the instructions, but I think our, uh, my friends who had played Betrayal many times assumed that it was the same as the core game, well, whereas it's a little bit different. So we found that out and we ended up playing, um, we still ended up playing two games and had a lot of fun with it. So I went into this campaign not really thinking that we would actually finish it, um, but at this point, we're kind of we're kind of hooked we're really enjoying it um and so i think i think it is pretty likely that we'll finish this betrayal legacy campaign especially now since there's the possibility that we might be able to play three games in a session instead of just two given our understanding of this rule now so what did you play over the weekend i'm trying to think of anything else that i played last week oh yeah i had jury duty last week i'll talk about that in a second that's why last week's video was a little weird um i think the only other game i played was uh was disc golf over the weekend Let's see. Um, Gerald says, did you find the rules form thread for expeditions more stressful or helpful? Uh, I found it both. I mean, it was a little stressful to find things that we should have caught, that I should have caught, that our oversight team should have caught, that our graphic designer should have caught. All of us combined, everyone combined in that process, that we probably should have caught before. But I did find it very helpful. Um, and I, it made me much more likely to, to do a reveal, a reveal like that early on in the production process in the future when it's not too late to change the rule book because uh, it was really helpful. I mean, you you all, Gerald included, Gerald uh, had a great suggestion that actually impacted one of the mech mats in the game or the mech mats in the game, an element of the mech mats in, uh, in Expeditions. We're talking about Expeditions here. Um, but also some things were caught that were just wrong in the rule book and some things were caught for clarity. A lot of the changes were for clarity and those I think were, were really, really helpful. Yeah, so thank you for participating in that, Gerald. I really appreciate it. Chet says he's finishing the first book in the Reckoners series from Brandon Sanderson. I have read them. Yeah, I've read I read the series. I think it's three books, maybe four in the series. I'm pretty sure it's three. I did read them a while ago. Um, and I thought it was a nice, uh, a neat twist on the superhero genre. I need to see Brandon, Brandon Sanderson uh, delve into that uh, that genre. Tyler says that he had a nice two-player Wingspan game for Valentine's Day. I think Wingspan is, is a really good game for Valentine's Day, and I hope anyone who, who played it on Valentine's Day enjoyed it, especially Wingspan Asia with the kind of the red, the pink cover going along with the, the, the colorful theme of Valentine's Day. Uh, Chad says he did the math and found out that he taught Wingspan to five new people in a span of six days. Well, you are a great ambassador, Chad. Thank you for doing that and teaching so many people uh, wingspan or any of our games any of you who teach our games to other people i really really appreciate that i have some games on my shelf of opportunity that i am waiting to learn either learn or be taught uh however it ends up working out i have oath sworn over there i have um i have uh what else do i have micro dojo i have edowa 
I have uh, actually based on the recommendations, maybe last week or the weeks before, week before, I ended up buying uh, Box One. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Box One. And um, tomorrow, I'm gonna finally learn what is it, Archon? It's the the game with the 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 uh, the crest. I, I'm forgetting the name now, but uh, yeah, like you're building a, a family crest. We're really looking forward to playing that. Patrick says, I bought Tapestry last fall during the 10th anniversary sale, but played it for the first time last weekend with his daughter and her boyfriend. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear that, Patrick. I will definitely be picking up the expansions when I can buy the new one on March 1st. Yeah, we're coming up, coming up fast on that. Next week is the next is the week when I'm finally going to do all the big reveals for, um, for the expansion. I've shown you what the packaging looks like, that the Tapestry expansion comes in this packaging the probably the, one of the most eco-friendly package, packages that we've ever had because it's designed for our fulfillment centers to put a label just on the back of it here um, and ship you just this unless you order other things which is fine too but yeah i'm excited about that excited to finally show you details about what's in the tapestry expansion that'll be next week the design diaries will be next week and then march 1st is indeed the pre-order or not just the pre-order the launch really because we are going to start shipping it right away to anyone who, who orders it Chris said that he played with his dad uh, recently. Summer Camp and Evolution. I'm curious about Summer Camp. I, ha I haven't played that one, but I have played Evolution. Yeah. Justin says, any reason you're doing the Tapestry Expansion reveal on a Monday instead of a Wednesday? Yeah, Justin, good question. Um, so I kind of calculated how much time I need to share, to, to like kind of highlight the things in the expansion if I'm focusing on one big thing every day, like the tech cards or the tapestry cards or the civs, the capital cities. And I don't, because it's a, a more stuff expansion, I don't need that much time. And so I thought, you know, I'll start it on a Monday. We'll get through to uh, to Saturday when, when reviewers can start to talk about what's in the expansion. And then reviewers can share their thoughts on the things in the expansion starting on Monday. Kind of just space it out based on the March 1st pre-order. Um, based on how much time I, I need to reveal that content. So... I don't need I don't need a lot of time to reveal the content, but I need some time. And starting Wednesday would be a little bit too late. And starting this Wednesday, I thought would be a little bit too early. Brian says, "Was a game map considered for Expedition? Seems like the tile lane nature would fit well with a nicely thematic map." Jakob and I did talk about it a little bit, and I think at some point Jakob will probably design a a map to use for Expeditions. Um, but the game really doesn't need it. Uh, it, we show on, on base camp, we show the layout for where to put tiles at the beginning of the game. It's very intuitive, very easy to put them on the table, very easy to pick them up off the table. And so a mat is, it is something that you could use for it, but it's, it, you know, mats have to ship in big cardboard tubes by themselves. So it's a little bit of a shipping hassle. And it's also, it's probably not Jakob's favorite art to make. And Jakob can, can clarify that in the comments if he wants but I, I get the sense that that doing that that uh that perspective of the map is something that um that he doesn't enjoy as much as the first person perspective and so it wasn't on the top of his list and it wasn't necessary for the game and it wasn't again something that we could ship alongside with the game so if the game does well then we'll i think Jakob will probably make it at some point i have heard of people a few people ask about that Let's see, Michael says that uh, that his group has finished a few Charterstone campaigns and he feels the same way about Frosthaven. I, I mentioned it with Betrayal Legacy that going into it, we weren't sure that we'd actually finish it. I think it ends up being around 16 games, but um, maybe a few less than that, maybe 14. But at this point, I think we will finish it. Frosthaven, I think, is quite a few more games than that. I found it, I, let me know what you think about this. 
Uh, Tim says he kept it romantic with an especially tough Frosthaven scenario. So I found I I love written reviews. I like I like uh, video reviews, but I do like written reviews. And I found it so odd. So so far with Frosthaven, there are forty six video reviews, at least on Board Game Geek. That's how many are listed, and there are zero text reviews. And I find that so odd. And I don't know. I don't think it's a Frosthaven thing necessarily, but. Um, What's going on there? What's your theory for that? If, if you go look at Frosthaven and Board Game Geek right now, it's in the hotness, of course. 46 video reviews and zero text reviews. Maybe maybe reviewers who use the blog or text format just haven't gotten their copies yet. But usually, like anyone can post a text review about Gloomhaven um, or Frosthaven or about any game. Yeah, I'm so curious about that. Let me know your thoughts if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, Krista says that her friend in the local game store, Epic Loot, started a board game league, and the final tournament game is Wingspan Asia. Interesting. Two players, like head-to-head with duet mode, or is it with uh, with with uh, the six or seven player count? I'm curious why they... That's, that's, that's an interesting pick for it. I'm guessing, Maybe it is a two-player thing. Let me know, Krista, in the comments, if it is a two-player tournament or if it's a larger group tournament. Tyler says he had jury duty scheduled for yesterday, but when I called in to see if my assigned number needs to report to the courthouse, he wasn't selected. So yeah, jury duty. I mentioned this a little bit last week, and, and uh, I so in St. Louis it works a little bit like that. You do call the night before, but I have never gotten them gotten through to that message on Sunday and had it not say you need to show up tomorrow. St. Louis City, you just you get called in every couple of years, and so I had jury duty this past week, and I got selected as an alternate for a trial. And for the first time ever, I went through the whole trial. I was I was an alternate in the jury um, for. Uh, the trial lasted a little over three days. I got out on Thursday afternoon, and uh, it was a civil case, so it's something that I can talk about publicly. In fact, if you check out my blog, jamiestegmeyer.com, I talk about uh, getting selected, and then yesterday I talked about the trial itself, the case itself, which involved a car accident that um, that seemed kind of cut and dry at the beginning of the case, but the more they talked about it, it was a little bit more nuanced, nuanced than I thought, and then by the end of the trial, I was pretty convinced by what uh, by who I thought was to blame for the car accident. Very briefly, it was two cars traveling on just kind of a normal city street, uh, a two-way city street. I think that the speed limit was around 30 miles per hour. The cars didn't seem to be speeding. And the car in front realized that they had missed something that they needed to stop at. Um, and so they, in, in an intersection, they decided to do a U-turn where they veered to the right and then uh, started to make a U-turn across traffic. And the car behind them uh, hit the car in the front. And so when I first heard that, I thought, okay, well, you know, it's usually the car in back. It's it's their fault for, for hitting the car in front. But the more I learned about it and the more I learned about this car in front, um, it, it was became very clear to me, in my opinion, that the car in front ha- was fully showing the car in back that they were turning right or at the very least, turning into a parking lane because there was a parking lane there. And the car in back really had no indication other than maybe a blinker. There was some indication that there could have been a blinker that they were turning left, uh, that they were doing a U-turn. But even if they were doing a U-turn, they should have yielded to the cars behind them because they were creating, those cars have, have right of way. They were turning across traffic. So it was just interesting to me that something very simple um, had so many nuances to it. And, uh, and crucially, there weren't any photos of the accident. One of the the, uh, the plaintiff took a few photos, but otherwise there were no photos of the scene. There were no videos, so there was, there was no 
clear evidence. And I didn't even get the impression that either person, the defendant or the plaintiff, was lying. They both seemed like very nice people. They both had their memories of this accident that had happened. So one takeaway that I'll mention here that's a good reminder for me, if I ever get in that situation or ever have an accident or an incident, take a ton of photos. Like don't assume that anyone else is taking photos or that there will magically be video footage of what happened. Like take photos of everything from every angle uh, because it could be, could be used um, in the future for you or against you. Well, hopefully for your benefit, hopefully for the benefit of, of the truth, at least. Simon says, I was wondering if there will be resolution to the beast encounter in Expedition. Can you tell us more about the story of the game and maybe some future world building? Simon, yes. Um, I don't know if I go into that specifically, but yesterday I filmed a video about the story, the characters, and the goals of the game. And that video will come out tomorrow. Uh, last week's video was about comparing Expeditions to Scythe. This week will be about the story and the characters. Um, the resolution to the beast encounter in particular. Oh, the beast is the, uh, so yeah, I shared, uh, maybe a week or so ago, some, how the quests are tied to the locations and expeditions, how you can pick up quest cards. You can use those quest cards. And if you want, you can find the location those quest cards are matched with and take that quest card to that location and resolve the quest. And, uh, so thematically, like you are, you are picking up these quests from the people of the land and um, and addressing them and getting a mechanical benefit as a result. So usually if there's like a, a beast that you're trying to, to fight against, then you might have to spend some power and then you gain some a benefit and then you end up tucking that quest. You lose that card essentially, but you show that you've completed it and you increase your popularity for a scoring multiplier at the end of the game. John says, did you feel any pressure to make a side sequel or was it something that you had always planned on making? I definitely had never planned on making a side sequel. Um, Pressure, I guess pressure is a little bit the, the right word. I definitely, I got a lot of requests from people to do something else in the 1920 plus world. And I, I think at some point I was like, you know, why not? Why not Why not give it a shot? And Jakob was up for it too. Chet says, is there, are there a few people who typically do the teaching of new games in your group? It bounces around. Uh, there, there's definitely like my friend Pete. Pete often brings some, some trick-taking games that he's eager to play and, and, and show off. Um, he often teaches. Uh, Henry, Henry is a, a, a friend who often teaches games, um, whether it's at game night or, or just Henry and I will often play games and he'll he'll learn them and teach them. Um, and sometimes I am the teacher. Usually I, I am happy to be a teacher for games that I already know how to play, but uh, for games that uh, that require time to learn, I, I have I feel like I have less time to do that these days. And so I, I do a little bit less learning the game from scratch now than I used to. Murray says he's working on his bird for the Wingspan art competition right now. How many hours do we have left? Oh, I don't know what exactly in hours, but you have through tomorrow to submit it. It's, it's, um, they're due something by midnight tomorrow, basically. Like I'll wake up on, on, uh, on Friday and I'll, I'll look at the submissions then. Michael says, will there be a live video on Monday? No, Michael, I'll keep the videos just on Wednesday. Videos will be as usual on Wednesday, but I will do a design diary post in the Tapstery Facebook group and on the Tapstery Fantasies and Futures page on our website and on BoardGameGeek on, on Monday to start revealing what's in this expansion. Jed says that his copy of Rise of Fenders arrived while he's watching this and he's opening it right now. Don't open too much of it. Um, in fact, it's one of those games where you don't really want to look at the components all that much. And I would highly recommend not looking in the tuck boxes. Um, so 
it's kind of an anticlimactic unboxing because you'll see a lot of stuff that you can't look at. You're not even supposed to look at the punch boards once you open that box. Justin says, is there a tentative date for when reviewers will be able to talk about expeditions? Well, reviewers don't have copies of it yet, so I don't have a firm date, but we're aiming to get advanced review copies to reviewers in May. And then, so I think maybe in May or June, depending on when they receive them, I want to get them time to uh, to play the game and not feel like they have to rush to be the, you know, the first reviewer to talk about it. So sometime probably in May or June will be when you'll start to see those advanced reviews uh, pop up on uh on our website and, and in the Expeditions Facebook group. Chad says, it's probably too late for April Fools this year, but I bet the Smitten artwork sans text boxes and a puzzle would work great. It is a nice, there's a nice uh, image from um, Vincent Dutrait and would, I agree, it would make a nice puzzle. We have some other things planned for April Fools of this year though. Typically we have to plan those things around five to six months in advance, which is so weird. Like you, you look at April Fool's stuff and you're like, oh wow, they really thought of this stuff. This stuff looks, I'm impressed by what they thought of over the last week. But if you're actually making a product for April Fool's Day, you have to plan well in advance. Chris says, have you played either Islebound or The Ancient World from Ryan Lockett? I have played both, but it's been a while. Um, Islebound is actually, I, I didn't think about it when designing expeditions, but Islebound actually does have some elements of expeditions in it. Um, or really vice versa, expeditions has some Islebound elements in it. I have played them. I have. I, I think I have videos about both of them, Chris, on my channel. Feel free to search for it to see if they're there. I might have also played them before I was I was talking about games on my YouTube channel. But it, it's been a while for both of them. I think actually, I, you know, I really should have credited Islebound because I think deep in my subconscious, Islebound has a boast mechanism where if you want to get credit for your accomplishments in Islebound, you have to boast about them. And I have the exact same thing or something very similar in the Expeditions. And I don't know if I even credited Islebound in the, in the rule book because I don't think I thought about it then um, when I was creating the long list of, of games that inspired it. But, uh, but I love that boast mechanism and Expeditions has something very similar where if you have achieved one of the core goals of the game, you to get credit for it, to place a star, to get a glory, you have to boast about it. You have to take a boast benefit or use a boast benefit. Um, yeah, and that's, that's, I'm pretty sure that's an Islebound too. YX says, how did you get to work with Automa Factory? I love their solo designs and I wonder why they haven't been more prominent in designing solo outside of your games. So Morton, Morton among Ronald Peterson is, uh, is the person who started Automa Factory and he was a backer of Viticulture in 2012 and he became pretty active in playtesting Viticulture and he ended up uh, designing a solo mode for Viticulture that we put in Tuscany. And I think that was one of his first, if not his first, solo design. And at the time, I kind of underestimated the importance of solo design. And I think Morton didn't really know how quite big of an impact solo design would, would have on the gaming world. But we just ended up working together. Um, and he ended up, I ended up uh, wanting him to create solo modes for all of our games. And so Automa Factory is very closely linked in terms of their origins and most of their creations with Stonemaier Games. The reason that they don't do much work for other companies, they have a few games, a few, I think they did something for Glenmore 2, I think they did something for Gaia Project, um, maybe Terra Nova, but uh, it takes a lot of, it's a small team and uh, most of them are just part-time and, and Morton is, is full-time and it takes a lot of time to make these solo modes and so they, I, I really appreciate, I'm saying this because I really appreciate that they have kept Stonemaier Games as their core focus, um, whereas they, they could have ended up focusing on other solo modes instead. And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're a huge part of 
of what Stillmeyer Games is. And I, I appreciate that focus quite a bit. Christoph says, I know Asia just came out, but I can't get enough of the core game of Wingspan. Is the next expansion already being worked on? I think Elizabeth is starting to brainstorm ideas for it. Uh, I, 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 I see some things popping up that in a, in a shared Google Doc that we have that, that I think she is starting to work on it. But I try not to, I try not to pressure Elizabeth or, uh, because I, these things take time. She's already designed so many bird cards and so many abilities that I think she needs extra time now to think of new stuff. Um, and so I'm kind of taking the approach that when, it's, when she's ready to talk about it, I'm ready to talk about it with her. And until then, I'm not gonna, not gonna pressure her about it. Mark says, will there be promo realms for other games for Rolling Realms released alongside the new Tapster expansion? You know, Mark, because of the eco-friendly packaging, um, I'm hoping that a significant number of, uh, of orders for Tapestry Fantasies and Futures are just this, because all we have to do is slap a label on it and get it in the mail. And so for that reason, we're not releasing any promos at the same time, which I know isn't efficient for everybody who, who needs to ship things together. However, I can say that uh, in early April, we are doing some promos, some Rolling Realms promos. So if you want to wait until then to pre-order Fantasies and Futures and add promos along with it, that's totally fine. I totally understand that. I think we've made enough Fantasies and Futures to, uh, to have enough copies for, for uh, early April as well. Yeah. Patrick says, I noticed that you didn't design the Final Tapestry expansion. Was it difficult to let others take the reins on this one since you were the designer of the rest? Um, yeah, so kind of the pattern with Tapestry was I designed the core game. I then designed the first expansion. I collaborated with, uh, with Mike on the second expansion, but he was really the lead designer on it. I had a pretty heavy hand on it, but, but a lot of the core ideas came from Mike. And then, yeah, it was, it was nice to just, I, I, was, I was out of ideas for Tapestry at that point. I knew kind of that I wanted it to have a fantasy sci-fi spin on it, but, um, but I was out of ideas. So it was, it was wonderful to have Mike and Chris collaborate that. I was, not only was I out of ideas, but I was out of time too. Um, I had time to, that I needed to focus on other things, but I still was involved in the design from the developer perspective. Let's see scrolling through here i'll i'll uh scroll ahead a little bit here let's see george says there's only oh uh, george has a request from mark not not for me jake here one of my disc golf buddies and a, a podcaster so jake says i think the video review to text review has has to do with plat the platform available to share your content if you do a review on youtube or tiktok then your algorithm the algorithm can help get your content in front of an audience if you write a blog then you're on your own to promote your stuff and find an audience. And a lot of places where board gamers gather online discourages promoting your own content, like Reddit. Um, uh, that's a great point, Jake. Yeah, I, I guess that's the reason that it's maybe a little bit surprising to me is because if you look at, like, I'll pull up another game. Let's pull up a Heat Pedal to the Metal. So that's a game that has come out fairly recently, around the same time as as Frosthaven. Let's see how many. So. Heat Pedal of the Metal has 42 video reviews, so less than Frosthaven, but it has 12 text reviews on BoardGameGeek. And so that's why it's just a, it's it stood it has stood out to me a little bit about Frosthaven that um, that that there are no text reviews uh, because there there are for other games. I totally agree with you about about uh, why fewer there are fewer text reviewers uh, or or those who who use the, the written format, but. It's just odd to me that there there are other games on board game Meet that have 
text reviews and Frost Statement doesn't have any so far. Chad says, was, okay, so talking about the jury duty case, the trial, Chad says, was the car in back going straight through the intersection? Here in Michigan, I know that U-turns in an intersection is typically illegal. So the, uh, it was established in the trial that the U-turn was legal. It was a legal place to make a U-turn as long as you do so carefully. Um, you can't be a careless driver. Um, the car in the back was going straight through the intersection. There was not a stop sign. And so they, they were allowed to just proceed forward. Um, and yeah, yeah. Tom says he's listening to this before he has his Swedish class tonight. The Super Bowl had me thinking, would you ever do a game with a sport theme? You know, I have a video about this a while ago, Tom, while I th why I think games with sport themes typically don't work except for racing games. I think, I think they're the one exception, but um, no, I, I don't think I'd ever do a game with a, with a sport theme. Uh, a sport might be a part of, a part of the game, but not, uh, but not the core theme of the game itself. Nancy Jane says that her friend in the whole game store has an annual wingspan tournament. Uh, the, you play the base game with four players per board, four rounds. Play, players are moved to different boards after each round. Interesting. Each player's scores for each of the rounds are added together for the highest total score wins the tournament. That's a, that's a neat twist on a wingspan tournament. Chasey Meeple says, Did you, do you look at independent games on Kickstarter that don't fund for Stonemeyer? Yeah, I think I have a blog post about that a little while ago, about uh, the, the viability of a publisher picking up a game that was on Kickstarter, whether or not it funded. Um, I do keep an eye on it. There have been a few games that I've wondered about on Kickstarter, whether or not they successfully funded or not. The, the funding isn't so much of a, of, a, of, a, of a kind of a selling point for me. It's usually the game itself where I see the game and I'm like, oh, that, that's really, really cool. Um, the last game that I saw that and I thought, oh, I am very curious about this for multiple reasons, was Earthborn Rangers, which is a game that I ended up backing. Um, it's a game for four players, so it doesn't actually, it isn't actually eligible for some of our games. And I didn't really make them an offer. I just kind of reached out to Andrew at Earthborn, Earth, Earthborn Games and I said, your game looks really cool. I'm going to be a backer. Uh, I... I uh, and I'm tempted as a publisher to try to work with you on this, but I think you're doing great things. And, uh, and Andrew definitely wanted to go on his own with that. Um, there's also the eco-friendly aspect of, of what they're doing at Earthborn, Earthborn Games. Hard to say for some reason. But yeah, it's something that I, I keep an eye on a little bit, but not all that much because we have we have ample games already in the works of Stonebuyer Games. Yeah, I'm always looking for the next thing, obviously, because there we have we have many years to come at Stonebuyer Games. But... Um, but yeah, so it's it's on my radar, but it isn't something that I pursue very often. Mike says, is there any chance that you may know the Tus if the Tuscany board might be coming to Board Game Arena? I would love for the Tuscany board to come to Board Game Arena, but um, but I don't I don't know the current status on that. Tom says, do you do the April Fool stuff for fun or do you actually make a profit? We break even on the April Fool's stuff. Sometimes we lose money. Like the first year that we did it, or one of the, the first times we did April Fool's stuff was the year of the first year of the pandemic. And I donated all the money that we made to uh, to people who were who were struggling with uh, with job loss at that time. Um, and I think we did. What did we do last year? Oh, the disc, the disc golf disc. They're pretty much break even too. They're still pretty much break even, especially if someone orders just just a disc that uh, we might lose money on that a little bit. But if someone orders a disc with other stuff in their order, then 
then we make a tiny little bit, but not much. It, it isn't really a profit-seeking endeavor. It's just something we, that we do for fun. Chris says, when is the arts expansion for Tapestry getting restocked? Um, it'll be restocked at the same time as the Tapestry Fantasies and Futures launch. So you'll be able to, if you don't have the arts and, Ar arts and architecture expansion, or if you don't have plans, employees, or even the core game, you can get all that stuff on March 1st um, during the pre-order. I really should stop saying pre-order about it because it is different than what we're doing with Expeditions. So Expeditions is a pre-order in that we are just entering production now. It will not ship in the near future. It'll ship in a few months from now. Whereas for the launch, we're calling it launch, for the launch of the Tapestry expansion, it will ship almost immediately afterward. We, we have it at our fulfillment centers. We are ready to ship it. David has a game design question. He says, I have several ideas for games to design ranging in complexity. How do you start your design process, specifically prototyping? Um, ooh, that's a big question, David. I would recommend watching kind of the video I have about game design um, that goes through the 10 steps for, for game design. But uh, I typically start my game design with brainstorming. I start with brainstorming, theme and mechanisms, just pencil and paper, just to see what I come up with. And then once I think I have something that is interesting, um, and usually some, that process might involve some research too, researching other games out there that have those themes or those mechanisms. And then I just build a prototype. I just say, you know, I have enough here that I want to see what it's like on the table because the way that it will play out on the table is very, very different than it plays out in your head. And I'm saying this even as someone who's designed a bunch of games at this point. Um, it just, games work differently than how you picture them in your head. So I uh, I use... I, I just create a rough prototype and try to get it get it to the table. I use InDesign for prototyping. I'm not a graphic designer, but I like I like uh, using the tools that InDesign offers for um, for the user interface. I like thinking about the user inter interface from the beginning. But you really don't even need to do that. You can you can just use index cards or pencil and paper if you want to create that first prototype. So, uh, but I would recommend David, uh, especially for you your first attempt at a game, get it to the table as soon as possible. Give yourself a hard deadline to get the first prototype to the table because I think you'll learn a lot about just how, not, not learning how, uh, how difficult it is, but um, it, I think it's easy to get caught up in ideas and maybe overvalue ideas. But uh, once you actually start working on a prototype and play test it for the first time, I think you'll realize um, how little the idea matters and how much the idea itself might change based on how the game actually works and how much work you have to do to get the game to be fun and functional and intuitive. So try to get that first prototype at the table as soon as possible. So if you're if you're excited about about a, one of these ideas in particular, set yourself a deadline. Give yourself two weeks and and say, okay, by, by the end of two weeks, I will have a playable prototype and I will actually play that first prototype with a few other people. Good luck with that. And check out the video that I have about about the ten steps for game design. Tyler says, is there a limit to the number of civilizations that a single player could have active? Not technically, no. Um, it, it, you could have, you could have, uh, it, it sounds like Tyler got the six civs. Um, I don't think you cheated, but um, it, that's what Tyler asked, did I cheat? So it, it certainly is possible. Yeah, depending on the right combination of abilities that you're able to trigger. Six is a lot, for sure. Darius says, um, oh, has a very nice comment. Once again, thank you and uh, to everyone at Summer Games who made it possible from the bottom of my heart for your support for the earthquake casualties on behalf of your Turkish audience. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, I, I know everyone in Turkey or a lot of people in Turkey are going through a, a huge hardship right now. And so 
um, my, my heart goes out to you and our, our money goes out to you as well. Last week we donated, or actually the donation happened this Sunday, donated a little over $6,000 to support um, an organization in Turkey that is helping the victims of the earthquake uh, a, a count, a number that continues to climb, unfortunately. I think the last count was around 33,000 people have died from the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Uh, also, my heart goes out to, I, uh, on a smaller scale, but closer to home at Michigan State University, there was a, a shooting here recently um, at Michigan State, not here, here in the U.S. And uh, there's someone closely tied to Stomar Games. I'm, I'm not going to name them in case they don't want this to uh, to come out, but there's someone very close to Stomar Games who's son goes to that university and uh wasn't far from where the shooting happened may have actually been very close to where the shooting was happened it, and is like many people there i think uh, there were definitely some people who were shot and killed and absolutely terrible but there are also a lot of people who weren't shot but will have trauma for a long time i think as the result of, of the shooting and so my heart goes out to to this person and his family as well um and also on a Lesser note, but still impactful for this person. Uh, just wanted to give a shout out to, to Mitchell Whitfield, uh, a friend and friend of the company who went through a, a knee replacement surgery last week. I think he's doing well, and I've uh, been thinking about him, him over these last few days as well. David says, what was the most challenging part of designing Red Rising? So Red Rising, similar to Expeditions. So Expeditions I designed from scratch like a dozen times trying to figure it out. Red Rising, I designed, I think, four different versions of the game that just didn't work. Um, I kept throwing bag building at it, worker placement, deck building, couldn't get those things to work. And so I put it aside for a while. And so really the, the most challenging part of the design was capturing the different colors in the society because the core element of the Red Rising world is that in this dystopian society, there are color casts, basically, where your color, um, not the color of your skin, it's a different type of color, really, even though it is related to how you look in the end. Um, your color defines who you are and what jobs you have and what you do in that world and what you're good at. And it's a core aspect of this dystopian society. And figuring out how to take so many different colors, I think there are 14 different colors, and to... Uh, uh, personify them in the game itself and find a mechanical way to, to have so many colors in the game and still have them be meaningful was by far the biggest challenge. Um, and it was with uh, with Alex's help that we ended up figuring out how to do that with, with the actual final version of the game, essentially using kind of like suits of cards, um, different color suits in the game. Blake says, have you had any progress researching if making a mat for expeditions would be viable if you could fold it during shipping? I'd love to buy one as I'm a big fan of the mats. You know, Blake, I asked about this. Um, I mentioned earlier in the podcast or the live cast that, uh, that typically mats are, are uh, shipped separately in big uh, tubes. And uh, that makes shipping a little bit of a hassle because you can't combine it with other items. And so I posted on Board Game Geek about this. And I asked if anyone had, had ever had a mat shipped and not be creased, even if it was folded instead of curled up. And some people replied to say, yes, they had. And so... That is something that we might consider. If Jakob does decide to make the art for a mat, I'm happy to make a rubber, a natural rubber play mat. And I'd, I'd like to explore the possibility of folding it. It's something that we'll need to test in advance. But if we do that, that way people could order it alongside other things if they wanted to. So rather than having a standalone shipment of a, of a big tube, like for the tapestry play mat. Nathan says, if you like Severance, check out Living With Yourself on Netflix. It's much lighter in mood, but has a thematic tie in terms of alternate and multiple realities. I'll make a note about that. Living With Yourself. Is that a, uh, is it an hour-long show or like a half-hour show, Nathan? 
living with yourself. Thank you for that recommendation. Right now, we're still watching, or we need to get back into The Last of Us. I think we're going to get back into that. Um, our lunchtime shows right now are bouncing around between a few of them. Uh, there's Home Economics. There's uh, How I Met Your Father. And, uh, and Abbott Elementary are the ones I think we're bouncing around with between right now. And the last, like, longer, hour-long show that we finished, our nighttime show, was The Traders. We, we did finish The Traders a few days ago. I really enjoyed it. Let me see. I, lots of questions there. Lots of great questions. Let me see if there's any topics that I really need to cover today. Oh, I did. I There's a, a podcast with me with the Crowdfunding Nerds. So if you look at the Crowdfunding Nerds podcast, you can see a podcast for me. And I recorded a podcast just yesterday with Games Overboard. Or Games Overboard, three different words. And today I'm filming one with... Uh, oh, what is the... I'm forgetting it. I had it in my head earlier. Today's live cast, it's with Richard Simpson. We are not wizards. Richard and I are going to record a podcast today in a few hours. And also today, tomorrow and Thursday, back to Rolling Realms. We're doing a Rolling Realms live play. And today's combination of realms will be Libertalia, Architects of the West Kingdom, and Scythe. Those will be today's combination of realms live at 3 o'clock Central Time. So in about four hours from now. In the Rolling Realms Facebook group, and I'll put it up on YouTube afterwards if you want to play along in the future, which you can totally do with Rolling Realms. Let's see if there's anything. Else. Oh, my video this past week was uh, was Megan's favorite game. So Megan briefly appears in the video, and then she got back to work. I filmed it on, on a weekday, and I talked about Megan's favorite games, and in particular her favorite games to play with just two players, just the two of us. And my blog post on Monday was about naming games and how kind of a, a naming ordeal for expeditions that we went through. And how it's kind of a, a bit of a conundrum if you have a name for a game, but you don't announce it, and then someone else announces the same name for a different game. Talked about that in a blog post on, uh, on Monday. Also, I, yeah, I'll focus on questions for the rest of the livecast. But the, other, the big thing going on at Summer Games right now is I've been playtesting a lot of different things, a lot of different products, I will say, um, and reviewing playtester input from Blind Playtest. So... A lot of, you know, just normal daily, weekly things are keeping me busy, but those are the things that uh, were, have, I think about it from the last week, the things that have kept me really busy. And I, I enjoy that process of, of playtesting, of iterating, of uh, reviewing playtester input. And I still need to do that. I have the playtester input for the tapestry sieve adjustments for the, the, the heavily revised civilizations that we're testing. I have that feedback and I need to go over it and decide how to how to change those civilizations, how to change those heavily revised civilizations in particular. Tim says, do you think a lot of people will order the expansion and the, and the insert together and thus make the mailing complex again? I do think that will happen, Tim. Yeah. Um, so Tim's referring to the tapestry expansion. So we have the expansion and this envelope that we can mail, mail just on its own, but it can also be combined with the folded space insert for tapestry, which we have, or we will have on our web store on March 1st. I didn't mention that earlier, but so yeah, I think there's a fair number of people who will do that. So whatever ends up happening, it's just, I, I think it's nice that we have this, this disposable recyclable packaging that uses a lot less, a lot fewer materials than we usually use for expansion packaging. Carol says she loves the art decision on the wall. Yeah, Carol, I don't know. I don't remember if this was your idea or someone else's, but I, I shared this, um, this nice plaque that uh, that Joe and the other people on my team put together as a, a little gift for me 
that shows the smitten art all combined right here. And I think someone on the live cast had the suggestion, maybe it was Carol, of putting it on this wall right here on this blank space. And so ended up doing that. If I actually I tilt this a little bit, you can see the full thing. There we go. Stetson says, for expeditions, is there a date when you no longer, when you can no longer order the version with a metal mechs? So we, um, we will lock in quantities for expeditions on February 22nd. And so that's coming up next week. However, we're going to make enough. We're going to make sure those quantities are such that we have more than enough copies to get through, hopefully, hopefully through, uh, through July and hopefully even longer than that. And so there's no set date, Stetson, but um, I would say the earlier the better, because I think there, there is a chance that we will, we've gotten a lot of pre-orders so far, but there's a chance that we will have a big upswell of pre-orders when, um, when reviewers start to talk about the game, when we do kind of like the bigger reveal for the game, when we're much closer to launching and shipping the game. So uh, I don't really know what pre-orders will look like at that point, but based on the data that we have now, uh, you can, you have the ability to be patient and wait for reviewers' opinions, at least, to, to wait until then. Yeah, which will probably be May or June. Chad says, did your time during jury duty inspire any design ideas? Not really, no. I mean, I was really focused on the trial, just trying to be attentive. Even though I didn't get to deliberate as an alternate, I, I was trying to be present and take notes and, and um, be considerate to all the, the, the people and the time and the money that they spent on, on the trial. So, no, I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't drift off and think about game design during that time. Ian asked, did I finish The Traders? We did finish it. Yeah, and really enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. And this is a show that is essentially the game Werewolf, a simplified version of the game Werewolf, but in a reality show format. And uh, it was really good. Really, really, really good show. Patrick says, given the packaging, do you prefer that we order the new tapestry expansion on its own, or can we just order it along with arts and architecture and the tapestry box insert? Patrick, the more you can consolidate, the better. So if you do want things other than just the expansion, um, yeah, I, I highly prefer that you order them together. I think it's more efficient that way. It's more optimized uh, for, for you and your, your shipping expenses. Yeah, so put everything together in the same box or the same order. Yeah. George says, how is your open world game progressing? My big open world cooperative game. Uh, I was actually just working on it a little bit before this, this, uh, this live cast. He says, are you dedicating a lot of your time to it on a weekly basis? I, I try to. I mean, whenever I have design time, that's the game that I'm working on. Yeah. It can really vary based on the week. Like last week with jury duty, I was working in the morning and then I'd go off to jury duty for the trial and then I'd come back home and try to cram eight hours of work into around four hours before I had to go to bed and then go back at it the next day. Didn't have much time for design then. But uh, but yeah, I work, I try to work a little bit on it every day, including the weekends. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, since Wingspan Asia has been transferred to Australia. Oh, no, not just Wingspan Asia, Asia in general. We do our, our shipping to Asia from our Australia Aetherworks Fulfillment Center now. Mark says, do I now renew my champion subscription on the Australian store? Yes, that, that's where you would renew it. Um, is it the same process as when it was via the U.S. web store? It is, yeah. You'll have to make sure that you end up, I believe that you need to cancel at some point when you're getting close to the end of it. You'll have to cancel your, um, your membership on the, uh, on, the, on the U.S. store and then start a new one on the Australia store. Yeah, I'm sorry for the hassle there, but it, I think it will be... Uh, better in the long run uh, for for uh, for customers in Asia. 
and hopefully we can find ways to improve the, the shipping prices, the postage prices in the long run. George says, if we pair the order for the tapestry expansion with the customer insert, will they come packed together or separately? They're both in our fulfillment center, so we will definitely ship them together and we would prefer to do that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, some yeah, people are commenting on the on the shootings now. Chad says one of the victims from the Michigan shooting was from where I just moved from, Clawson. So shocking and sad. Carol says the school shootings are one of the scariest events that happen these days. It's also scary. Uh, how do many people look at it as just part of life now? Um, yeah, I, I think I saw someone talk about how when you, when, not necessarily everyone, but but I can relate to this when I walk into a a, a public setting, I uh, I try to know where the exits are. Um, and things like that. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's uh, unfortunate that that uh, that our that our life has become become that now, especially in schools. Like schools are the last place that that sort of violence should happen. Not that violence should happen anywhere, but that is happening at schools is is really terrible. Donna confirms that her seventh continent mat was folded in a box and it didn't stay creased. That's good to know. Yeah, that's my my worry about folding up a mat having it come out creased. Carlos says, I hope you're having a great day. What are your thoughts on Kickstarter, GameFound, and other crowdfunding platforms? Which would you choose to release a new game nowadays? Um, yeah, some blog post about that, Carlos. Not necessarily definitive, but I had a blog post last year from Sammy Lasco, the designer of um, Lands of Galzir. And he has had projects on both platforms, GameFound. Uh, there, there's other ones too, you know, there's, there's backer kit, there's game on tabletop, but the two big ones right now are game found and Kickstarter. And Sammy thinks we talked about some pros and cons to both platforms. I think I would highly recommend reading this, this uh, blog post from Sammy, but in the end, he said that he would go back to game found. He liked the game found in particular had the pledge manager built into the platform. So he didn't need to do a separate pledge manager. And he liked a lot of the flexibility, a lot of the the iterations that GameFound is offering. Um, GameFound also has the cool thing where when you sign up, if someone signs up for a, a launch notification, they can even, you can associate with that person a special, uh, like a promo or something like that, a special bonus for that person for signing up in advance if you want to. So I think Sammy said that GameFound needs work, but he would prefer that if he went back to the platform. It's hard for me to speak to it because I don't really think about using crowdfunding at all. We have everything set up on our web store, even for pre-orders like expeditions for something that we aren't uh, that we are in production with, but haven't finished making. Um, it's very easy to do so on our web store. So that's my that's my preference right now. Yeah. Susanna's here, my coworker. She says she likes. We are not wizards. Funny and smart. Have fun, Jamie. I will. Yeah, I hope so. I always have fun talking to Richard, and it's been quite some time since I've done that. So. I'm looking forward to it today. Trevor says, I ha I absolutely had someone launch a tabletop role-playing game on Kickstarter that had the same name as one that I had worked on for years. It's tough stuff. Yeah, I mean, you get attached to those names, or at least I do. I get very attached to certain names, and it makes me want to reveal games a little bit earlier so that I can kind of claim that name and have that name. But at the same time, I don't want to cause frustration for someone else either who has who's really attached to, to a name. Uh, Frank, Frank here, Frank West. Uh, Frank says, the Traders was much better than I had anticipated. I had the opportunity to be on the UK one and somehow regret not moving forward with it. Frank, you could have been on the UK Traders. That would have been amazing. I would I would go out of my way to get the UK version of the Traders so I could watch you on it, Frank. Oh, man. That would be incredible. 
did they get any anyone like you? Did they get a game designer or a publisher on on the UK version of the traders? That'd be so cool. Oh, Frank. I, I, I want to see Frank West on, on an episode of the Traders or a season of the Traders now. Um, Chad says, a question about Pendulum. I know it had a great rating in your design day meetup. Yeah, Pendulum still has, to this day, I think the best rating that any game has ever had at design day, although we have moved away from that rating system now. Chess says, I'm curious why the game isn't more popular. I typically hear that people don't give it a real chance because of the real-time element. I think that's certainly part of it. I know that there is an untimed alternate way of playing in the rulebook. I'm curious if you thought about coming out with an expansion or adding to the untimed gameplay to entice people to play it. The game is so beautiful and it has such interesting lore. I really appreciate that, Chad. I, the designer put a lot of work into it. The artist did. All of us at Summer Games put a lot of time and effort and resources and love into Pendulum. And ultimately, though, I have to listen to what the people have said. And it just wasn't all that well received. Um, yeah, I mean, there, I, I don't know if I even want to look at the rating on board game because starting to, to pull it up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, you know, sometimes sometimes a game just doesn't doesn't hit the way that uh, that we hoped it would. I think the, the weirdest thing with Pendulum is just how well it was received at Design Day. And the biggest thing I learned from that is that uh, having the designer there to teach the game is a very different experience and can really add to the experience in a wonderful way, but it can, it can uh, skew the ratings a little bit for a game. And I don't know if you all have ever had that happen, but if you've ever had a designer teach a game to you, the designer of the game, it is probably going to be an amazing experience, even if it's not the, the right fit for you, if the game isn't something that you normally like, but just having the designer there passionately explain the rules and be there to show you how to play, it's hard not to like the game or how not hard not to like to have a good first impression of it. Whereas it's very different to learn a game from scratch. That's, and that's why we put in the untimed variant. That's why we have, uh, you know, a, a guide to walking through the first game. And we really put a lot of effort into that. When I got the pre-production copy for Pendulum, even then, um, I really focused on trying to, to hone that first play experience, uh, because it is different than having the design de designer there to teach you. So it's, it was actually one of the reasons that we ended up changing the rating system at Design Day because it wasn't it wasn't ended up being helpful for us as as a publisher to help select games. Um, yeah, it was just it was a learning experience for us. George says, "How was your Saint Valentine's Day? Any memorable moments created together with Megan?" Yeah, George. Yeah, I started. I know a lot of people weren't here, but I started out by sharing some of the little treats that we shared that day. Megan got me this greeting card that has a chocolate bar attached to it. You can see how thick this box is. Really delicious. So that's my. Oops, not that, but there is chocolate left in here. That's my chocolate of the day. I got her a cupcake. I got her some special tea, um, and we just had a, a, a you know a really nice cozy day together. And we watched a romantic comedy at night in the in the evening. Yeah. Um, I hope George and everyone else out there, if you if you were hoping to have a special Valentine's Day, that you did as well. Carol says that she loved Pendulum, um, a unique, quick worker placement Euro. Um, it's a game that I actually might be, no, no, I'm not teaching. I'm I'm going over to a friend's house this weekend, and we were planning to teach Pendulum, but I think their uh, their kid will be there, and so we're trying to find games that their their kid will be able to engage with a little bit, even though they're probably going to be heavier games that the adults will play. So we're going to bring over animal themed games. That, uh, that our friend's child can, you know, help pick out the dogs in Dog Park or the animals in the zoo in Ark Nova or, or the birds in Wingspan, whatever, whatever game we end up choosing, he can still be involved in the process. 
George says that uh, Pendulum is his number two favorite similar game after Tapestry. Thank you, George. I'm, I'm honored to hear that. And I know the, the designer would appreciate hearing that as well. So yeah, I think, uh, so I mentioned that tomorrow I will have another video for Expeditions. Uh, tomorrow's video is about the story and the characters and the, um, and the goals of the game. So you can check out that video tomorrow. I have two other videos if you want to check them out on my YouTube fam channel about Expeditions so far. And I'll keep doing that. I enjoy doing that. And if you have any suggestions for other things that you want me to cover in video format for Expeditions, I'm happy to do that. Um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I haven't even called attention to this. Uh, Carol says, is that a cute sleepy kitty in the background? Yeah, Biddy's been here the whole time. He's been sleeping on his little mat over there during the whole live cast. Usually he gets up and goes to the bedroom, but, but he's been with us today. Yeah. He's a good boy. So yeah, thank you for joining me for today's live cast. And I'll go ahead and put this up on YouTube. And I'll see you next Wednesday for a live cast. I'll see you next Monday for the beginning of the design diary reveals for Tapestry Plans and uh, not, not Tapestry Plans, boys, Tapestry Fantasies and Futures. All right, have a good Wednesday, good week. I'll see you then. Bye.